0: My name is Ron Cool, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside, and I'd like to also join Daniel and Kevin in welcoming all of you here and letting you know we do pray God's richest blessings for you uh, during this morning time, and we're glad that you're here with us. We're continuing our sermon series this morning uh, that we're calling Fatal Attractions. It's a sermon series where we're looking at some of those sins that are so deadly to us, that, that look so good, like a bright, juicy apple that, that looks so good, promises us so much, and maybe at first bite even give us that, a taste of, of, of joy, of something really, good but but at the end those attractions prove fatal Uh, like a poisoned apple they destroy us they 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 kill us they wipe us out and so we're calling these things fatal attractions and we're saying how do we avoid these things how do we fight against these things the specific fatal attractions we're looking at have been known historically through the church as the seven deadly sins, okay, and, and so we're, uh, these are the ones we've been looking at, and we said that pride, we started off by saying pride is sort of the, the root, it's the centerpiece, it's the one that produces all of the other ones, and then we looked at vainglory, uh, for those of you who weren't here, that's saying, look at me, I want to be noticed, I want you to, to pay attention to me, and then envy, and last week Daniel talked about anger, and this week we're up to sloth, okay, this week we're up to sloth, and I think if we're honest, we can recognize that, that for some of us, we might be kind of tempted to say, good, I finally get a week off. I mean, I struggle some with anger, I struggle some with envy, I struggle some with pride, I struggle with vainglory, but sloth, that is not my sin. That is not my problem, because if anything, I'm a workaholic. If anything, I'm too busy all the time, and I'm running around too much, and so I'm not guilty of sloth. Well, for most of us, we have an idea of sloth that I'm going to suggest is a little bit wrong. I mean, for most of us, when we think of sloth, we think of this, right? The sloth to-do list, hang from a tree branch and relax. And the fact is that's what they do most of the time. I, 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 the scientists actually have a hard time figuring out how much sloths sleep because when they're awake, they do so little. Uh, that, that It's hard to tell when they're sleeping and when they're awake. But they do spend most of their time in a tree. I don't know if this is significant or not, but I learned this week um, that they only come down from the tree to go to the bathroom, and they only do that once a week. And so, you know, so that, take that for what it's worth. But, you know, and we, we think of sloths, and we say, hey, we thank God for sloths because they make us look productive by comparison, right? I, I think for many of us, we kind of have that sense of saying, good, a Sunday off. I don't have to worry about this. Ron's not going to be talking to me today. And, and I, honestly, I kind of thought, for me, that was where this was going to go. But as I really dug into it, as I, as I struggled with this, you know, I, I realized it's not just about workaholism. Uh, again, many of us, I think, would say that, that you know, it's, it's a bigger sin in our culture to be a workaholic. That's a bigger problem most of us face. And so maybe we should exchange that one and say workaholism is, is the bigger problem. Well, in the words of Lee Cor- Corso, I want to say, not so fast, my friends. Not so fast. And, and, and what I want to suggest is that sloth is real and it's powerful and it's ugly. In fact, it's one of the ugliest of all the seven deadly sins. Interesting, if we go back to some of those early desert fathers we talked about in that first week, sloth is actually listed first among many of those lists. Not the majority, but a number of them have sloth listed as the first one. In fact, a number of people say sloth is the, is the prime sin. It's the root sin. Not, not pride, but sloth is the one that should be there on that tree trunk. That, that it's sloth that does that. And uh, Tony Campolo, a preacher, a, a teacher said this once, he said, On judgment day, more sins will have resulted from sloth than all the other sins put together. Okay, time out, what's up, right? I mean, most of us, like I say, sloth is one. We've been joking about it all week. I said this morning, I thought I shouldn't shower or shave and just show up in my pajamas, right? Because just I'm too lazy to do it. That. But that's not really sloth. In fact, I think we're going to discover as we go through this, and I want just a few minutes of your time at the beginning. If I can't convince you that sloth is real, you get to sleep the rest of the surface. But, but I, I think as we go through this, we will see that sloth is a really deadly, dangerous difficult sin for us to deal with. So let's talk about it. What is sloth? Okay, what is sloth? A couple of things that sloth is not, all right? First of all, sloth is not, and this is what we usually think of it, it's not primarily not working hard at work. You know, that's what most of us think about it. We say it's laziness at work. You're not working really hard at work, but I want to suggest, and and here's a challenge for me this morning, I want to suggest that sloth can actually produce workaholism. Sloth can produce laziness, but sloth understood correctly, can also produce workaholism. I'll tell you how in a a little bit. But it's not primarily about working hard at work. That's why, you know, saying workaholism is the opposite. It's not. Sometimes workaholism is the result of sloth. It's not primarily about working hard at work. It's not primarily about being inactive, of hanging around in a tree or sitting in a hammock all day. It's It's not about, again, it can produce inactivity. Sometimes that's a result. I'll show you that as well. But sloth is not primarily about being inactive, and it's certainly not the same thing as rest. The fact is, some of us do need to rest more. Some of us need to have that time of Sabbath. We need that. God created us with a rhythm of work and rest, of work and rest. And and so sloth is not when you take a day off. Sloth is not when you rest in God's presence. Okay, what is it then? What is it? Here's the definition I want to give you, and then we're going to unpack it. But sloth is specifically not doing the hard work of love. Okay, sloth is about relationships. Sloth is about relationship with God. It's about relationship with others. And where sloth comes in is not not working hard at work, but where sloth comes in is when I don't do the hard work of love. When I don't do the difficult things that love is calling me to do to keep a relationship alive and growing. The fact is, love takes work. You know, we think about the power of love, right? Huey Lewis in the News, uh, they sang about the power of love and what it would do. Uh, we think about the mystery of love. One enchanted evening, we just fell in love. The Bible wants to talk to us over and over about the work of love. And it says that love is a commitment. Love is a choice. Love is saying, I will be there with you, whether I feel like it or not. Love is saying, I will walk through this with you. Yesterday, Jeff and Courtney, they stood here and they, they spoke their vows to each other. And what they said to each other is, I will be there with you through thick and thin, through good and bad, in sickness and in health, in riches and in poverty, and all of that stuff. I will be with you. And they didn't say, well, as long as I feel this thing called love. No, their love is a commitment. Love takes work. It really does. We have this idea saying, well, I don't feel it right now. Well, guess what? It can still be love because it's a commitment, it's a choice, and you make that. And, and, and one of the reasons we say this is if you go back to the original Greek or you go back to the, uh, to the Latin, um, the word that was used for sloth is acedia or akedia. Okay, one of those two words with a C or a K. I think the C is Latin, K is Greek. But ab means not, like apathetic, is not caring, not pathos. Acedia, Cedia is caring. So what it, it, they were talking about when they said sloth is deadly is that it's not loving. It's not doing the hard work of love. It's not working on our relationships with each other and with God. Let me give you a picture, okay? And uh, I, I think by the end of this, you will either be with me or you won't. But, okay, this is our happy little home here, right? And right in the center is the dining room table, okay? And I'm going to use this. I'm going to talk about a husband and a wife here. But if you say, well, I want to think about a friend, or you can take parent, child, or whatever. But a husband and a wife, here they are. I couldn't make them fat stick people. I didn't know how to do that, so they're, they're a little hard to see. But, you know, they're there at the kitchen table and the dining room table. They're talking. They're having this relationship, and everything is good. But then that subject comes out about which they always disagree. And they disagree, and they stand up, and they start to fight a little bit, and they yell at each other, and then this is what so often happens, right? That the relationship is going on, and he says, you know what? I need a break. I need a break. So he goes upstairs into the bedroom, and he's waiting up there. Now, we'll give him a 60-inch TV screen, so you don't think this is ridiculous, okay? That's what he's, he's got a TV screen upstairs, okay? She goes downstairs and plays pool, <laughs> But you get, how many of us haven't done this, right? We have a fight, and we just retreat to the other ends of our house, okay? We just go someplace else, and we stay away. And what we do is we, they're not discoing, they're they they are are pacing, okay? Okay. Oops, hold on, now I'm going too far back. Here, we got to get them back out where they got to go. All right, he goes back upstairs. Okay, she goes downstairs. How far are we? Okay. All right, they disco a little while and 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 here's the deal okay one more time here's the deal and this is where sloth becomes significant and this is what I think we've all done you see he knows he knows what he should do he knows what hard work calls him to do he knows that he should go downstairs and talk to his wife and say the most difficult words in the world to say I'm sorry I'm sorry and, 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 but it's so hard to do that because she always does this and he had a bad day at work and it wasn't his fault and, and so instead of that, he chooses just to stay where he is because he doesn't want to do the hard work of love. He doesn't want to do the hard work. Now, maybe she should be the one who goes up the stairs. They should both be moving but they should both be and, 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 and neither one does. They stay down where they are. They stay in their separate rooms. They stay in their separate places and you and I know this can go on for Weeks. Sure, they might occasionally sit at the same table, they still might occasionally, but it can go on for weeks, and it can go on for months, and it can go on for years, where we just know that there's something to work on, and we choose not to work on it. That's sloth. That's what they're talking about. It's not doing the hard work of love. It's shying away from doing that hard work of love, and so they do a little more disco here, all right, I think one more time they do that, um... And now I'll show you how it can produce different things. Let's say let's take him. He's upstairs, right? He finally just gets to the place where he says, "You know what? I'm just I can't deal with it." And he decides to go to bed. Okay, um, that's the best I could do. <laughs> All right. So sometimes that's what sloth does, right? You just turn on the TV and you just veg out, and it's and it's not resting, it's not renewing, it's not doing anything else, it's avoiding. Sometimes we do that and we rest and we do nothing because we're avoiding the hard work of love. Now we'll take her and what she does, she turns it into activity. She goes outside and she runs, okay? She runs because she doesn't want to have to deal with that spot. You see how sloth can produce both? You see how that, that, that fear of dealing with the difficult relationships, that fear of dealing with, with love, that fear of doing the hard things, the sacrifice that love requires can make one of us lie down, can make another of us run around. And, and the fact is, you and I can think of people. I challenge you to do this. I'll bet everybody here can do it. Every one of us can think of a person who is a workaholic, not because they love work or because they love money, but because they don't want to go home. They maybe don't want to deal with their kids. They maybe don't want to deal with their spouse. But all of their activities become an excuse to not have to get to that dining room table, to not have to sit face-to-face and say, I'm sorry. And, 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 and we've all done that, I think. We've all chosen to get busy. Sometimes we choose to get busy so we don't have to feel that hurt, so that we don't have to feel the brokenness, so we don't have to feel the emptiness. I'd rather run around. I've got to work 70 hours a week because if I don't, then I come face-to-face with who I am. And they come face to face with this brokenness. And so I'd rather run around or I'd rather veg out. That, my friends, is sloth. And that is deadly. And that is where all of us run into this. And it can be a husband and wife. Think about it that way. You think about a parent and a child. How many of us as parents, I hate to admit this, but I think it's true for, again, I'm going to say all of us. If you haven't ever done this, God bless you. But you hear the kids fighting in the other room. And you know loving is going in there and teaching them how to work through it. And you choose to go out in the garage instead. That's what sloth is all about. That's what it is. It's not doing the hard work of love. Now, this has all been thinking about relationships with each other. Let's turn it to our relationship with God, all right? In our relationship with God, this is where the Desert Fathers, first of all, really focused on sloth. Uh, 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 saying, I, I, I don't give myself completely to God. I don't struggle, in, and, and I'm not as passionate as I should be about growing in Christ. Now, let's make this very clear. Okay, This is one of the big challenges of really understanding sloth, is, is saying, we are saved by grace, God accepts us and loves us just the way we are. He absolutely does. You cannot do anything to make God love you more. You cannot do anything to earn God's salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We are saved by God's grace. God loves us exactly the way we are. He loves us in our brokenness and our failures, but he also loves us too much to leave us there. He loves us too much to leave us there, and so we are called to work at becoming what God wants us to become, at what God created us to become. And, and the Bible is full of calls like this. Ephesians 2, we're saved by grace. Look at Ephesians 4. Paul says this, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I am saved by God's grace, and I can't make him love me anymore, but I am called to put off the old, and I am called to put on the new. St. Augustine said that we have a a God-shaped void inside of us. We have a God-shaped place inside of us. And what sin does is it tries to fill that empty spot with so many other things so that we don't feel the pain of that. But what God calls us to do is he loves us, he forgives us, and he says, now work to put off the old, get rid of the old, fight against sin, give it up, take it off, put off the old, and put on the new. And that's not easy. That is not easy at all. And I would rather come here and work 80 hours a week on a little stick figure house than to get honest to God about what's really going on in my heart. I, 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 it's so difficult to be just passionate about putting off the old and putting on the new. When God said, Ron, you've got to give up that sin. Ron, you've got to deal with your pride. Ron, you've got to deal with this. Oh, God, I don't have time to. I've got to go work. I've got to go do something else. Philippians 2, Paul ties them together. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation, right? Work it out. Work it out. Do the hard work of loving God. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. We work it out. God works in us. It's all grace. It's all, yet it, 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 we, we give 100% effort. It is God who works in you to willing to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So we are saved by God's grace. We are called to work at becoming it. And it's just really challenging. It is not easy. And this is where sloth pushes us because it's a mountain, friend. I mean, to, to grow in Jesus Christ. To become the people God wants us to become. Uh, again, looking at just these sins in this series. To deal with my anger. To deal with the fact that I just sometimes shoot off and talk. I don't like to do that. I don't like to do that. Dealing with this and growing closer to God takes some really difficult things. It takes confession. Being genuinely honest. Most of us in our confession, it's, Lord, forgive me for my sins. But to say, God, show me my sins. My sins. Show me all the pride that's there. You know, Psalm 139 about God, search me and, and know me. And, and I think if we could honestly see inside of ourselves, it might just, it would just destroy us. I remember talking to a guy, we were doing a book study on, on Larry Crabb's book. It's probably 15 years old now, called Inside Out. And in that book, he said, you know, most of us deal, it's kind of like an iceberg. We deal with the surface behaviors, which that is above the water. And we say, I got to change this. And he said, no, we've got to get to the heart. And I remember talking to a guy, a, a really committed guy. He said, you know what, I, I think that's exactly right. But he said, if I honestly look in my heart, I think I'm going to shoot myself. He said, I am so afraid of what I would find that I don't think I could live through it. That's hard work of love. The hard work of saying, God, show me. Show me where I'm broken. It's confession. It's perseverance. It's, it's sticking with it. I mean, every relationship has times that are mountaintop times and times that are just kind of going through the valley times, times that are just kind of going through the normal places time. And at those times, we need to persevere in our relationship with God. Uh, this is one of the places where the Desert Fathers saw this most clearly. One of those Desert Fathers by the name of John Cassian. John Cassian, uh, one of the second biggies. To, we talked about the first one at the first service. But, but talking about these, these demons that would come, these, these guys are, again, out in the desert, and they're, they're trying to face temptation just like Jesus did. Trying to face it head on and, 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 and deal with it just like Jesus did. And, 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 and this guy said, You know what? When I'm there in my cave, he calls sloth, he calls it the noonday demon. He says, This is the one that comes at noon. He said, When I'm there and I know I'm supposed to be doing my noontime prayers, I know I'm supposed to be doing that. He said, I find myself wanting to do anything else. I love what he writes. He says, He, the Christian, looks about anxiously this way and that and sighs that none of the brethren came to see him. You ever done that? It's time for devotions. It's time for whatever. And it's like, anybody want to bug me? Anybody want to distract me a little bit? Anybody? That's what this monk is doing. He's looking around saying, why hasn't anybody come to see me? Often goes in and out of his cell and frequently gazes up at the sun as if it was too slow in setting. Been there, done that. And so a kind of unreasonable confusion of mind takes possession of him like some foul darkness. It, it, it's that, it, it's so challenging to say God just take my life and let it be all that you want it to be it's so hard to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and sloth is what pushes us it requires confession perseverance sacrifice God will challenge us to give up things I can't live without that sin God I can't live without that who am I without this who am I without that and God says trust me You will be more without that. My gifts are better. But it is so difficult for us to sacrifice and and to give up and to take off that old self and to change. What is God gonna make me? What's gonna happen to me if I really let God have his way with me? It is so challenging. And Sloth is saying, I don't wanna go that route. I don't want to work that hard. It's too much. It's too scary. It's too difficult. I'm not growing enough. It's just not worth it. God loves me, and he does. It's it's so hard to keep this in balance because God does love us so much, and he doesn't want us to grow for, our, for his sake as much as he wants us to grow for our sake. God doesn't love us less when we don't grow. God just says, why do you do that to yourself? Why do you stay in that difficulty? but it can be so difficult. So in our relationship with God, the other one, again, in our relationship with others, in our relationship with others here, I think in spouses, friends, kids, workplace, church, relationships are not easy. It is so much easier. All of you can think of a friendship that has just drifted apart because neither of you made the phone call. Neither of you made the work of saying we got to keep this thing alive. Now, I know sometimes, again, things change, and and, and I'm not saying every friendship has to last the same way it is forever. But how often does it really come to a place of saying, you know what, that person got a little too close to the truth with me. I had that not too long ago with somebody, and I thought, I think we'll just skip for a while. And I can't do that because it's getting way too close to my heart. It's getting way too close to the truth about who I am, and I, and I need to stick with it. I need to persevere. It is not easy. Again, it, it's not easy in the same challenges. This time we add in forgiveness. <laughs> with God, we, at least we never have to forgive him. But when we have relationships with others, there's confession and forgiveness. There's perseverance. I talked to somebody yesterday. He'd been married 63 years. It's a lot of perseverance. That's a lot of doing the things that keep a relationship going. Sacrifice. You cannot love somebody without dying a little bit to yourself. Love requires sacrifice and it requires change. That's what sloth is, okay? Sloth is not doing the hard work of love. And and you can see, right, kind of how this would result and where a guy like Tony Campolo and others would say, this is the root sin. It's because it's, it's I really won't deal with, it, with, with What's causing my anger That, that I have anger It's because I really won't deal with, with the real stuff And so I choose to eat instead And so that's gluttony And, I, and all these things I, I, I don't want to do the hard work And so it produces all this We always are tempted to take the easier road How is it deadly? Uh, again, I think that's, that's pretty obvious about, it, it leaves us where we are I never become better than I am Unless I'm willing to do the hard work Growth always takes work. Growing older always takes work. And, and the only reason most of us grow older, here's a little, is, is because somebody makes us. Um, I, you look at some superstars. I know Michael Jackson is dead, but Michael Jackson, at eight years old, nobody ever made him do anything. He never, in my view, never got older than eight because nobody made him get older than eight. The only reason I grow up is if somebody makes me. And, and, and I think that's true in our relationship with God. It, it takes a lot of work. And I just I'll, I will choose to stay where I am unless God strengthens me and calls me. It, it creates an interesting situation. Rebecca keney the deyoung talks about this. And, and, and there's the quandary. And I think, again, you can find yourself in this. She says, on the one hand, we're not happy with who we are. I, I, I'm not happy with the person I am. I'm not happy with the husband I am. I'm not happy with the father I am. I'm not happy with who I am. But she said, but I'm not willing to do the hard work to become new. (laughs) And so I'm not happy where I am, but I'm not willing to do what it takes to become new. And I would much rather try to fill the empty place inside of me with something, uh, you know, that's going to give me some pleasure right now than to just say, God, cleanse me and convict me and fill me. So it leaves us where we are. We're happy with who we are, but we're not really willing to work at it. It's, it's deadly that way. It allows relationships to die or stay on the surface. right? When I refuse to do that, when I'm in my marriage and I just kind of let it stay where it is and I don't do the hard work, it, it, it just dies a little bit. And it never becomes what it could be. And it keeps us from experiencing the fullness of life God wants us to experience. Again, Jesus ca- said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And, and when I allow myself to say, I, I don't want to do the hard work of confession. when I, allow my, I don't want to do the hard work of praying. I don't want to do the hard work of reading scripture. I don't want to do the hard work of getting up and going to church this morning. I don't want to do all that stuff. It's just too much. I know it's hard, but but when we let it, then we don't experience all that God wants us to experience. Again, like I said, God wants us to grow, not for his sake, but for our sake. Because he wants us to experience the fullness of life. So, how do we fight against sloth? How do we fight against sloth? This is a tough one. It really is because it is so much work and, and it is so hard. And I, I think this is one, again, as I thought about it, this is one I, I think it's maybe the most difficult one to defeat, to defeat because it is so always so much work and I am so tired and so are you. So what do we do? Four things I want to just mention here in closing. The first one is this. The first thing we have to do is remember that God wants the best for us. Okay, part of what I want to do is I want to just remember that what God has for me is so much better than anything else anybody's offering me. That what God wants for me is so much better. And and I need to know that. I need to know, again, John 10, 10, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus came that we may have life and we may have it abundantly. And what God has for me is so much better than anything I'm letting go of. And, and I need to remind myself of that. First John 4.18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. I get so afraid of letting go of this stuff. I get so afraid of what might happen. But if I understand and I look at God's perfect love, it drives out that fear. And I begin more and more to run toward Him. Peter German, an interesting comment that he makes, and, and let me explain it to you. He says this, Running from hell is a lousy way to approach God. What does he mean by that? Running from hell is a lousy way to approach God. Now, on the one hand, if if running from hell draws you to God, that's a good thing. But at some point, what he's saying is, we've got to stop saying, oh, I just don't want to do this, and I don't want to do this, and I don't want to do this, and I'm running away from this. We've got to turn around, we've got to run into the arms of God. How much of the time do I spend running away from things instead of running to my Father? instead of running to the arms of Jesus. And if I'm going to overcome my sloth, if I'm going to overcome my my tendency to just not do that hard work, to just kind of settle for what is, I need to see just how beautiful Jesus is. I need to see just how much he wants me, and how much he wants to give me, in in terms of deep joy, and real life, and all of those things. And then I can say, I will let go, because what I see in front of me is so much better than anything there is behind me, all right? I mean, running from hell is a lousy way to approach God because all we're doing is negative stuff instead of saying, God, I want life. Jesus didn't come just to forgive us from sins. He came to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. So remember that God wants the best for us. And, and let that be your motivation. Let that be your guide. Let that be your strength. Remember that God wants the best for us. Second, seek the help of the Holy Spirit. None of us can do this on our own. If you're feeling beat up this morning, I'm feeling beat up, and I need to just stop and say, God, I know you care about me, and God, I need your Holy Spirit to work, because I don't have the strength, I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, and I'm going to find so many distractions. Romans 8, verse 11 says this, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead... That's the Spirit of God dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through His Spirit that dwells in you. So what Paul is saying there is the same Spirit that raised Jesus up and gave Him life is the Spirit that can give us life. And and so some of it is saying, God, I don't want to do this. So send your Spirit to give me strength. God, send your Spirit to give me life. God, make me new. Seek the help of the Holy Spirit. The third thing, Watch out for the distractions that keep us from the hard work of love. And, and this is where all I can ask you to do is be honest about it. Do you run because running is good and healthy? Or do you run so that you don't have to face something else? Do you work because you enjoy the work and you feel God is calling you and gifted you to do that? If so, great. But do you work to avoid doing what God is really calling you to do? Is it sloth? I can't tell you that. I can't, your actions alone don't tell you that. It's your heart in so many of these ways. It's your heart saying, God, am I doing this to avoid? Watch out for those distractions. They are so good. That's why, again, I mean, the internet is an amazing thing, but it is so dangerous because there are so many funny things, and you can spend three hours in distractions. And so watch out for those things. Interesting little story. I don't know if this applies exactly, but I think it's an interesting one to think about. Luke 10, verse 40, Jesus goes to the home of Mary and Martha, these two sisters. Some of you know the story. Martha is the one who goes into the kitchen, and she's busy. She's busy cooking, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Martha gets a little steamed. She came to him and asked, Lord, why don't don't you care that my sister has left me to do, do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha's got this stuff going on in the kitchen. She's a great cook. She's making this eight-course meal. She's got many things on. And, and look at what Jesus says to her. And, and, and it, it just, I think it's fascinating. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Now, you know, I've always said there's only what you need is Jesus, right? It's, it's, I think really expect to be taken literally. Don't make an eight-course meal, Martha. Just throw some sandwiches together and then spend time with me. I, only one thing, Martha, we don't need all of it. Now, if you like to make eight courses meal and it doesn't take you away from Jesus, go ahead, make them. Invite me over. But, you know I mean? <laughs> but Jesus says, you know what? It doesn't always have to be that. Keep it simple. I think that's really what Jesus is saying. You don't need to do all. Sometimes we, we use all of those things so that we don't have to fit at the, sit at the feet of Jesus. And sometimes we need to just keep those distractions to a minimum. Now, again, I don't know, Martha, she was really trying to avoid, but, but those distractions were keeping her from Jesus. She was, she was just using that and, and, and doing too much. Again, she was doing too much, uh, and, and, and that became a distraction. So watch out for those distractions. And, and then finally, keep doing the basics. Keep doing the basics. Again, in a marriage, hold hands, kiss, spend time together, eat together, turn the TV off, right, in friendship, you keep doing those basic things, so too in our relationship with God, pray, worship, whether you feel like it or not, you just persevere, it's a long marathon run, Revelation 2, 4, and 5, Jesus says this to the church in Ephesus, he says, but I have this against you, you have abandoned the love you had at first, all right, you've abandoned the love sounds like acedia right acedia that's you've abandoned the love you had at first remember then from what you have fallen repent and do the works you did at first go back to the basics and keep reading scripture and keep holding hands and keep worshiping and keep right i mean sometimes those little acts are just the ones that can help us overcome the sloth and overcome that fear and overcome that that discouragement to keep going, and to keep giving, all right? So those four things. Friends, I I feel like I've been beating myself up, and I don't want to beat you up, but I really want us to, again, just look at Christ and recognize this is all about freedom, that in Christ we can be free to do the hard work of love and to become more of what God wants us to become. Let's pray together. Father, relationships are not easy here on earth or with you because it's sacrifice and it's change and it's confession. And it's a lot of work, and so we get very tired. So, Father, send your Spirit to us. Enliven our spirits. Make us new. Remind us of how much you want for us in in terms of deep joy and love. And, 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 Father, give us the courage to just put ourselves completely in your hands and, and, and to learn to love each other with all that we have and all that we are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.